0: It seems like both of you believe in God, you're 100% and the majority of it is really resting on faith. It's this unhindered belief despite opposing viewpoints or trusting that he will do what he says. Is faith as a process for arriving at something to be true with 100% certainty the most reliable way to get to that point?
1: Reliable in one sense, I guess.
0: Reliable to the point where you would be 100% certain that it was true? Uh,
1: I think... I guess the best way to put it is, uh, you know, faith is such a personal thing. Uh, So it's going to be different for everybody. Uh, If it's 100% true to you, then I think you have every right to believe that. Uh, Because, ultimately, there's only so much we can do to, to prove the existence of God or, or of any religion, really. Okay.
0: Faith could be different for everyone.
1: I think what he's trying to get at is, uh, no matter what you believe, you have to have a certain amount of faith. To believe in that. So, if you believe in, like, for instance, the Big Bang, or if you believe in something else, you have to have mm. faith that that thing is happening. So, uh, I think that's what you're trying to yeah, say. Yeah, basically, yeah.
0: Okay. Does faith, unhindered belief despite opposing viewpoints, or trusting that he's going to do what he says, is faith? Does faith always lead a person to the same God?
1: it should Uh, people are people and they can misinterpret things right Uh, and you have people like uh, Joseph Smith and uh, you know other religions that that take I would say uh, just misinterpret what's being given to them you know Uh,
0: but they're using faith and I've literally had conversations with people that Use faith to get to completely different religions, and right. we would probably all agree that they have a right to believe in whatever they want. Yeah. I, I would literally, you know, fight in a war and die to protect your belief and their belief. You know, they right mm-hmm. to believe in whatever they want. Right. However, they all whether I'm talking to a Hindu that believes Vishnu is the one true God, or those two Muslim women that walk by, that use faith to know that Muhammad flew to heaven on a winged horse, and and Allah is the one true God, like when I have these conversations, it almost always comes down to faith. Right. So I'll ask again, is, is, do you believe that faith is a reliable method to getting to your God when you would recognize that people can use faith to come to all sorts of different conclusions?
1: Mm. I guess, in response to that, I would ask what other quality or character could you use to get to the same? you know like what what else do we have you know
0: hey anthony it's daniel from the daniel and Bo interview you did in october of 2015. it looks like i'm in one of your more popular videos and i'm surprised it's reached over 200 comments it's been a long time since we talked But I would like to say thank you for having that conversation with me. That conversation was one of many stepping stones in which my faith was fully questioned and has helped shape me to become the person I am today. I'm not sure if many people you interview message you about becoming atheist after conversing with you, but if you would like to interview me or contact me in some way, I would be happy to assist. Also, I have since moved to Central Texas and have had trouble finding any secular communities to be a part of. If you have any information to help me out, I would be grateful. Hope to hear back from you, Daniel. All right, man. So here we are. Here we are. <laughs> I can't believe this. I, my mind is is blown. Yeah. Uh, to to hear back from you f- after so long, mm-hmm. uh, I can't say it's I can't say it's uncommon for people to reach out to me a year later, six months later, two years later, even. Uh, it's happened before uh... but when it does it's always a cool thing even if it's they're upset still or maybe they're more entrenched in a belief that maybe didn't seem reliable at the time mm-hmm. those can be a little disappointing but often more often than not they seem to be like really encouraging kind of situations and i'm, I'm kind of hoping that this is the case here if i remember right we we met on on a college campus in, yes. in san antonio in october of 2015 that is correct and uh... I think you were just walking by with a friend. I flagged you down, complete stranger, probably oh, never met before, and we ended up talking about a God, your God belief and your friend's God belief too. I, I remember the conversation quite well. It's good. Yeah. Uh, can you take me back to that time and, and what you were thinking of? Like, what were you thinking of during the conversation? Mm-hmm. Can, can we t- maybe start there?
1: Yeah. So. It's kind of interesting because I was at a point in my life where I was already questioning my God-belief anyway, um, and so I actually really did want to talk to you um, <laughs> because I wanted to kind of test out, okay, this is my last stand almost with my belief, does it hold up to scrutiny? Um, and Oh, okay, this you know, is interesting. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Did you seek me out? Because I was on your campus and I talked to your friends.
1: I don't think I sought you out because I remember hearing about you and then I think it was just coincidence that you happened to be there walking that day. Um, mm. But I was definitely much more comfortable with the conversation um, because I really did want to know. And that's part of the reason I think why we did talk for so long. We had a 30-minute conversation Yeah, um, because I just wanted to see. And then, yeah. So
0: that's interesting because I, I distinctly remember asking where you are in terms of your confidence that God exists from a scale from 0 to 100. Where the criteria of the scale was something like, hundred percent is all confidence, no doubt, and zero percent was the opposite of that. And then I was like one, two, three, yeah, and you said one hundred percent. Were you at one hundred percent? Because that's a that's a question we get a lot. Yeah. Are these people that you're interviewing, Anthony, really giving you an accurate number, or are they giving you a number they might think you want to hear? Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the number.
1: Well, I uh, a lot of my life, I grew up in this Southern Baptist faith, which tells you that if. You believe in God, your your trip to heaven is 100 percent, basically. Um, so it's like it really doesn't matter as long as you have some sort of faith. And I did have at least some sort of faith at that time, so that was enough for me to say, yeah, 100 percent, right? Um, but but you in, had doubts. In reality, I had doubts.
0: Yeah, okay. For sure. Were you in a culture at that time or an environment where you were reluctant to express your doubts? Absolutely.
1: I mean, I was right next to my friend who was also a leader um, in the organization I was a part of. Mm. And uh, mm. to express that kind of doubt would be, would be potentially not good. Yeah.
0: Sure. And this, t- this talk isn't to diminish any organization it's- or your friends. Uh, Or paint people with a broad brush or anything like that. I'm really interested in your journey.
1: Yes I think if you had caught me by myself, if I wasn't with Bo Our conversation might have gone a little differently, honestly. How so? Uh, Well, I think Bo and I obviously had different ideas Um, I was never a creationist Um, That much is true, but you know Bo kind of talked a lot about the missing link and things like that And I was Mm. taking I was actually taking a physical anthropology class at the time and I was like it was just so unbelievably wrong to me. And it was almost embarrassing to be next to that because I didn't necessarily associate with those sorts of beliefs. My beliefs were a little more different, a little more, I guess, in the liberal Christianity side of things, um, the, to which Bo did not ascribe to. So okay. already during that conversation, there was a bit of waking up where it's like, I really don't belong in this camp hmm. necessarily. So. Do
0: you think you're... Var- your various positions on the doctrine accounted for your various levels of interest in the conversation? Because it seemed like mm-hmm. you were more engaged and you questioned me a little bit about non-belief and how could you be good without a God and, yes. and definitions of words and all this stuff.
1: Yes. You don't run into a whole lot of people, especially where I'm from, that outright just deny God, you know? There are people who say, uh, they're, maybe they're spiritual, maybe there's something out there that they don't know, but. It's different when someone who says, uh, well I can make the reasonable inference, I won't say proof that God doesn't exist, uh, but the reasonable inference that the Christian God at least uh, is not real.
0: Was I one of the first people you've ever run into to express that?
1: No actually. Okay. Um,
0: I'd be surprised if I was.
1: Yeah, so I did mention before that, you know, I did call myself an atheist.
0: I want to get into that, totally. (laughs) Because I hear that a lot from theists, and I'm always thinking, do they really understand what that word means, which is why I questioned your definitions a little bit there.
1: Yes. And I, and I honestly wish we got into that a little more.
0: I could tell. It was a big, interesting. Yeah. Well, I couldn't um, tell. I got the impression that mm-hmm. it was an important thing for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to talk Please. about that right now? Sure. Okay. Why not? So um, it was around seventh, eighth grade. Uh, my best friend at the time came out to me as an atheist hmm. um, and I saw that he wasn't a very popular guy at school anyway. You know, and uh, he discussed with me a lot. I mean, we talked about homosexuality, we talked about morality, we talked about free will, everything. Um, And he definitely knew his stuff. He knew it more than I did. And so I really didn't have an answer or a response to a lot of his questions. So I kind of just, you know, I remember sitting on the bus and looking up, I was like, maybe I really don't believe in God. Uh, And then I had an experience about two weeks later after that moment where I decided, well, you know, Christians always say, you have to seek God, you have to make the effort to go to Him. So I decided to pray, which was something I hadn't done Mm. in a long time. And I got this sense of peace and this sense of uh, the numinous, you know, as Christopher Hitchens might say or or something. But uh, what I didn't contextualize that at the time was maybe that's just a completely psychosomatic experience and not something supernatural at all. Uh, But I was also very young at the time. And so... Growing up in a Christian culture and contextualizing that as God, I think helped reinforce my beliefs that God was, in fact, a real entity. Okay.
0: Um, Let's flash back to that belief scale. I'd like to kind of get a sense of where you are today. Yeah. Zero to 100, same criteria. Where would you be in terms of your confidence that a God exists?
1: That a God exists? <laughs> um, I mean, it would be unanswerable if I don't believe that a God exists, right? I mean, you
0: have, very, you have no confidence that a God exists right now? Is that what you're saying?
1: If there is some sort of deistic entity that is cannot be seen or heard or proven by any systems of scientific measurement, then maybe. Um, mm. But beyond that, no, I can't say that there is.
0: Okay. So you have changed a lot because I remember you saying that science has limits and there's the su- supernatural realm, yes. right from our first talk. Yes. Where are you on that?
1: So I gave this argument of the non overlapping magisteria. I didn't know the term for it at the time, but that's what it was because I knew even as a theist I knew that you couldn't have scientific proof for God. Um, because if that was true then everybody would be a Christian, right? I mean that would that would just follow logically.
0: I think we even talked about evidence and faith and which would you prefer. Yeah, are you saying so, that you don't have evidence? All yeah, these so questions.
1: I went straight to the faith route, you know, like because that was really all I had. I had no real physical evidence besides a personal experience, which you know may or may not be indicative of God, um, and as I've decided, it is not okay. Um, so, okay. beyond that experience, I, I had nothing.
0: So, in terms of labels, again, let's just put a pin in that or let's wrap it up. Okay. So, the, the atheist part of it, yeah, I, I, there's a thousand more questions I have for you, but I, you know we'll try to keep this kind of brief. Sure, looking back. Were you using the label atheist improperly, or were you using a sort of an uncommon definition of it?
1: I think I was. I think I had this impression that perhaps atheism was the confidence that there was no God, Hmm. uh, which isn't necessarily the case. Um, It is the lack of a belief of a God. Uh, So, you know, the idea is that Christians make the claim that there is a God, um, and atheists just say, prove it. Um, And that's really all there is to it. Um, And so, I think it kind of uh, gave me pause, you know, drew me back a bit, when I knew that there were atheists who said that there was no God, which nobody actually said, but I thought Mm. that was the case. Mm, Because mm. I was taught that was the case.
0: Okay. You were taught Um, that atheists were actually making a statement. Yes. That they knew something. So,
1: I'm not sure if somebody told me that, or how I got there, but that was my reasoning at the time. It's a common yeah. thing that I hear.
0: I even hear atheists get confused on what the differences are between agnostic and atheist. I think we spent a lot of time on it. Yeah, we did. Was there anything particular that you remember from that talk that stands out to you? Maybe a question that I asked or something that you didn't ask?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, lots of little moments, but the biggest one was when you asked me what was the difference between my faith in a God and a, and a Muslim's faith in a God? How do you differentiate the two? How do you prove that one is better than the other? And I don't know if i had never thought about it before, or maybe not thought about it in that way, but it just completely blew me away. Mm. Uh, because how could I? You know, there's 2.2 billion Christians in the world, about 1.6 billion Muslims, you know, obviously these people have separate experiences. They can't all lead to the same truths, because their Biblical and quranic texts say otherwise. They, they're not uh, they're not compatible in the slightest, so something is going on there. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I think that the lack of a belief in a God has much more explanatory power um, than any theistic notion that a God exists.
0: There was one point in the conversation, I don't know if you remember it. D- did you end up watching it? Maybe if we talk a little bit about that, now? I can yeah, ask my question. so I
1: did. Um, I How soon
0: I... after our talk did you stumble across it?
1: Pretty, a few days I didn't watch the whole thing because it was a 30 minute conversation and I was a part of it, so you know. (laughs) I already knew what it was said, right? But I did notice the comments and that was kind of interesting um, because Bo and I looked at the video together and we saw what kind of people were saying Um, and at the time some of them were making very reasonable points. Like I had mentioned that I had read these philosophers like Nietzsche and stuff and someone said, oh well what about Ecclesiastes, that kind of has that too. And um, that was before I had this perspective that the Bible was written by different authors at different times with different perspectives on God. But another thing I noticed were uh, much more negative comments and that were not as constructive, um, which logically, of course, I knew, you know, does not represent atheism as a whole. But to Beau, I think it kind of did a little bit. I think it kind of reinforced his ideas that all atheists were kind of these nasty people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it really does give you something to think about as far as how we should represent ourselves to other people. Yeah. Even if we are completely justified in our anger or um, in what we feel is right, um, not everyone shares that perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and that can be an influence, factor. fact.
0: Yeah, I do vacillate on the whole comments on videos thing because I, it's always at the back of my mind that the person that I've, sp- I've spoken with is going to eventually see it. And I know the YouTube comments can be brutal. It seems on mine that they're more positive generally, at least from my perspective. Uh, Maybe not so much from the interlocutor's uh, perspective.
1: Maybe so. But
0: it it does go through my head like, when they read that comment, what are they going to think?
1: Well, I looked back at it recently before we did this interview.
0: um,
1: it's, And I found a lot more comments than I did the first time. So that was kind of a shock. Um, And I think when you see your name written a whole bunch of times and like 200 people criticizing your beliefs or taking it apart of something that you said, um, that can be overwhelming. It activates an amygdala response that um, is kind of hard to explain unless you've been there. And obviously it's just Mm. one corner of the internet. You know who cares but it's people when they use your name and they say ah this is what this person is saying this is why you're wrong that can be a bit off-putting because mm. um, so they're
0: addressing you directly yes some stranger across the world yes. right and zoning in on something personal yes
1: and making claims about my experiences like oh you were never a real atheist you were you know this is what happened or, or things like that yeah. things that people couldn't possibly have the answers to
0: when we met on that campus i was using something called street epistemology and I know that we've, because we've been chatting, I know that you've done a little research as far as what that is, and you've watched one of my talks where I've, where I've presented about it. Yeah. Looking back at your former self, do you think that this, do you think that one of the reasons why you're here today as an atheist is because we met and because I was using that kind of approach? Do you think a more aggressive approach would have been would have been more beneficial? Tell me a little bit about the method that you experienced that day and its impact on where you are today. And you're not going to hurt my feelings or
1: offend me either way. Sure. I think that um, if we had talked more, I probably would have become an atheist sooner. Um, I I won't say that street epistemology was absolutely essential, but I will say it was incredibly helpful uh, because it asked questions in a way that I didn't had never encountered before really. It was less questions about why and what, but it was more about how. Like, how do I know this is true? How do I know that my faith is a reasonable explanation for anything? Um, and I can't say that I have encountered that. Uh, even at the time when I had been looking up atheist videos and atheist arguments and, and done research like that, there's still not a lot of people that necessarily I'll use the word interrogate the faith that way. I think it's a great way to uh, examine things epistemically.
0: Yeah. Okay. Was your, was your experience a positive one, negative one? Do you, if you can go back and not have that talk, would you do it?
1: No, I, I would want that talk, absolutely, yeah. Um, I will say that as far as my conversion experience, uh, there was a lot of cognitive dissonance, um, and it took a lot longer than it should have. Uh, probably, because maybe there was a sense of denial there, maybe there was a sense that I really wanted these things to be real, Mm -hmm. Um, but after really examining my values, examining my ethics, examining other people's values and ethics, and realizing that it really doesn't match up, and that really I think that I can do better, um, what a lot of Christians say, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that was the biggest change.
0: You were saying that your transition to non-belief may have actually been faster. If you hadn't had so much cognitive dissonance, what would have sped it up?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the surest way to convince someone of anything is to have one-on-one conversations with them. Um, I think that's true across the board. Um, And you can look up a thousand things on the internet and that may not convince you unless someone really questions you one-on-one. And the problem was I didn't have anybody to really do that with. Um, and I didn't seek it out either, um, maybe, again, because I kind of wanted things to be true, um, which isn't honest, which isn't a good thing, but when you're caught in a culture that wants you to believe, and you're, and I know so many people, I mean, I lived with some of these people who, you know, just wanted it to be real and had their own reasons for it to be real. You know, how could I say that it wasn't? If that was my reality at the time, hmm. um, but it wasn't a full picture of reality.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking back to when we talked. It seemed like you had a lot of questions for me, as an atheist, yes, and yeah. and yeah. <clears throat> that was unfairly so. No, yeah. no, no. In fact, that was like, that is one of the reasons why I go out there is to talk to people, question their beliefs, mm-hmm. plant a seed, mm-hmm. and uh, see what germinates. You know. But um, I was I was watching that talk, and I noticed that I spent a lot more time telling you guys what my position is. And maybe that's because you just seem inquisitive and wanted to know. Yes. But I don't normally... I don't know if you've watched any of my other videos or how many have you watched, but I don't normally do that.
1: I noticed that, too. <laughs> I noticed that. I
0: don't know why I did that that day. And I'm not even sure if that had any impact on where you are today or if I if had I just struck to, stuck to just questioning.
1: I, I think uh, I think for me it was helpful. I, I don't know if that would be helpful for everybody. Um, but for me it was helpful and... I'll tell you why, because I think understanding your position on things and how you came to the conclusion of where you're at helped me understand how I could come to that conclusion as well. Interesting. Interesting.
0: What happened that evening? What happened immediately after the talk? What did you do? I can't remember if I even asked you that. I might have. You kind
1: of did. Okay. I think the soonest experience I can remember is watching the video again with Bo. Okay. I definitely thought about... Our conversation, especially that com- that question of what makes my faith better than everyone else's faith, mm-hmm. I think that That's one hit right. me the hardest.
0: Okay, yeah, um, I'm sorry for repeating that question. Because yeah. uh, I always wonder about that. I always wonder what's what's going on through people's minds after the talk. Because I end up yeah. thinking about it myself.
1: Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, Bo was very different in his experience, and I don't want to put words into his mouth. I can only speak from what I when I've talked with him, but he kind of saw you as someone who was uh, sneaky, someone mm. who is deliberately trying to undermine people's faiths um, and um, ultimately wasting your time by going out and talking to people and mm. ruining people's day, I think, mm. maybe is what he would have thought. Okay. Um, but I knew that that probably wasn't the case. I knew that if you were acting in such a way that you truly believed what you believed, that you had some sort of imperative of doing so. Um, so even though I wasn't an atheist at the time, I could understand, you know, the motivation for that. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure if everyone else would. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Let's shift gears a little bit. Yeah. I had some of my friends, uh, colleagues that are interested in street epistemology to give me some questions that they would ask you. Yeah. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but maybe a minute or two, or if you want to keep going, that's fine. This question is, what is it that kept you in the belief for so long?
1: Yeah, um, I wonder that myself as well. I think being a part of the culture, being a part of being surrounded by people who helped me in many other ways besides just uh, you know, religious reasons, um, helped me believe that there was something real to that. Um, and I also discovered, uh, someone recommended me later on, uh, the Liturgist podcast and uh, the Ask Science Mike podcast, which uh, if you haven't heard it, the Liturgist podcast is like the NPR for Christians. And I mean that in the Mm. best sense possible. It's very objective. And um, they're more humanist than they are Christian a lot of times, which uh, something is I kind of fell into, which is that, oh, maybe I don't necessarily believe that the Bible is literally true in all aspects, but I still have a in God. Um, And Mm. that's kind of where I was at for a while, um, where it was this uh, transformation of... Of my ethics and, and principles and values. Um, and really, the last thing to fall was the belief in God. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of did the transformation bottom up almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I changed everything else and realized, you know, this belief I have isn't epistemically valid. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say that it is. So.
0: Is it because it was based on faith?
1: Because it was based on faith. Yeah. Because I, I had never really experienced God. I think if I did, you know, if someone is talking to me and says, hey, I'm God and he's doing some magic tricks, maybe that might convince me.
0: I think you even mentioned that you had an experience with God and I asked you, are you able to say that you know that that experience was God because of faith?
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, I can't, I can't say that it is. I can, my understanding of neurology now, um, leads me to believe that it it had to be, it could just be a psychosomatic experience and not a particularly uncommon one either. Uh, It seems that other people experience that kind of same sense of peace um, when it comes to prayer or meditation, um, which can all be explained through natural means. And if it can be explained through natural means, then where does God fit in? Hmm. Hmm.
0: Um, Okay. Are there things that you feel that you're missing in life now without religion?
1: That was something, Uh, That also kept me back from being an atheist, I think. I think I kind of had this idea that atheists were missing something and that I had something. Um, But really, besides a God belief, there isn't that much difference. Um, If anything, I am fulfilled in a lot of ways as an atheist now than I am as a Christian because I don't have to look up apologetics, I don't have to defend reasons why a bear killed 42 children in this book and I'm supposed to believe that that's a good thing. Mm. Uh, and that's a great relief. Um, and I also don't have to justify why other people believe different things either. Um, I can be more honest and say, I don't know, mm. in some cases, mm. which you can't always do as a Christian. You're supposed to say certain things, you're trained to say, this is why. Okay.
0: Do you find life better, worse, the same
1: without the God belief? So. I still live in an area where everyone pretty much believes in God. So that has affected me, um, in a sense, because I can't always be honest about my beliefs, or at least I'm not always comfortable with being honest. Um, So in that sense, um, it may not necessarily be better. In every other sense, in my internal landscape, um, yes, absolutely better, because I can be more honest um, and I can be more inquisitive and curious without fear which is a great feeling. Mm.
0: A lot of people that abandon their God belief go through what we call an angry atheist phase. Did you experience that? Are you experiencing that? Was that mitigated in some way from your transition out?
1: Yeah, so (laughs) once I kind of realized that homosexuality isn't necessarily a choice, that it can be explained, that it is completely natural and rises naturally, that made me angry, to realize that, uh, because I've experienced homosexual discrimination firsthand, at my church that I used to go to, uh, they canceled the charter of my Boy Scout troop, of which I was an Eagle Scout of, um, because of the BSA's decision to uh, allow gay leaders. Um, And so, we didn't even have any gay leaders as far as I know but just the idea of allowing gay people into their church was so bad for them that they decided to cut it, Mm. Um, and to see that and think, wow, the things that we've done here in this community, the work that we've done, all for not because you can't tolerate gay people being around you, um, it's just sad and and incredibly frustrating. So there have been a few times where I've been guilty of getting a little angry with people who have this idea that homosexuality is something you can necessarily choose. And uh, that was an, a point of anger for me. But beyond that, I think I'm a reasonable, pretty chill guy for the most part. And I can understand people's perspectives on, on why they may think differently like than I hmm. do. So.
0: so I'm sure that you have friends and loved ones in your life. Mm-hmm. What was their reaction? I'm assuming that you, you told them or something? Do, do, do most
1: people in your, in your life not know about your situation? Most people don't. Um, I think my parents kind of have an idea. Uh, they haven't directly asked me about it and I'm not going to directly tell them. Yeah, um, so there is that, there is a, uh, uh, very few people, and I mean one to two people, that definitely know for sure Mm -hmm. that I am an atheist. Okay. Uh, But beyond that, no, it's, it's pretty much a secret right now. And I don't want it to be.
0: (laughs) This is a good one. So, invariably, people who watch this video, assuming that you're fine with it and we put it out, yes. will be making more comments on it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm almost sure that a theist will say, well, Daniel just wasn't a true Christian. He, yeah. This makes sense because he, he just wasn't a, really, a real true believer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would your response be to a person who might say that you were not not a true Christian?
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always a thing. It's always the cop-out, in my opinion. Uh, I know the Bible better than most Christians my age. I know the Bible better than most Christians. I grew up in this faith. Um, And especially during my deconversion experience, I read it. I read almost the entire thing. There's a few minor prophets that I never got around to, but uh, I examined it fully. um, And I I know the apologetics. I can argue both sides. The problem is I can't say that uh, the Christian side is necessarily more logical or makes more sense. Um, There's a lot of ad hoc reasoning that comes to that, um, and that line of, well, you weren't a true Christian, is one of them, in my opinion. Uh, There are big questions of ethics you have to look at in the Bible. There are a lot of people that say that men and women are equal according to the Bible, which is just demonstrably not true. I think that was the one that hit hard for me. I was always told to, lied to, that you could say, oh look, it says husbands love their wives. Wives love their husbands, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't tell you is a verse that says a woman should not speak in a church because it's shameful and that uh, they should ask their husbands instead and be silent. I mean, can you really look at that and say that this is best for society as a whole? really look at that and think, did God really command that out of His creation, that someone is to be kept silent? And there's tons and tons of other reasons I could get into, but I mean that's just one mm. example that hits me particularly.
0: Okay. Last question possibly from, the, from my colleagues. Uh, why do you think that you're more accurate with your beliefs now?
1: Well, because uh, I can make a logical demonstration uh, of my beliefs. And I can also admit that I'm wrong, uh, which isn't something that Christians are necessarily comfortable with all the time, or at least uh, admit that they don't know things. Um, If someone shows me evidence uh, and I can't provide any counter-evidence, I'm just left to believe that claim, uh, which has changed my stance on a lot of issues. uh, And it's not just about atheism, especially with street epistemology, I think. It's a good system of questioning all kinds of beliefs. Um, So uh, epistemically, I think I could say I'm I'm much more honest um, than I was before. Mm. Honest with yourself? Yeah, honest with myself, what I believe, Mm -hmm. and uh, what can be proven and not proven. That's
0: awesome, that's fantastic. What might you say to a former believer who I interviewed, like they, they went through that sort of similar transition. I know it's not going to be exactly the same, Yeah. but let's say that I met with them and they were a believer and now they're not in whatever, karma or a God, or yeah. they're an atheist and now they believe in a God or whatever. Whatever the belief they held, now they've abandoned it. Mm-hmm. What might you say to them to encourage them to do something similar to what you've done by reaching out to me and agreeing to actually doing a follow-up?
1: Yeah. Um, I've kind of thought about this too, about what I would say to other people. Um, And a lot of it is contextual based on what they believe. Um, So it's not, I don't think that there's a one-size-fits-all answer to that. Um, But I think one of the biggest questions you can ask uh, was one that you asked me, which is, how do I know that it's true? How can I demonstrate that this is true? Um, That's kind of the baseline to it, Um, and if there's no way to demonstrate, then um, there's no way to say that it is, um, in many respects.
0: Meeting with you and having a conversation like this is great for me. Like, I, I could, it helps legitimize what we're doing and, and lend some credibility to it. What are you getting out of it? What are you hoping to leverage from this conversation? Like, what do you want to, where do you want to go from here after we take off the mics and we go home?
1: Well, um, there isn't an atheist community around the area that I um, I've looked into it. Um, and that saddens me because I think if people really understood better about what atheism is um, and what even street epistemology is as well um, I think people would benefit from it and I don't want to I don't want to tear down the church communities that are already here or the religious communities that are here but I want to provide a space for people who um, are not a believer but who still want to do good. I'd like to see uh, people working at Or local organizations like theistic ones and non-theistic ones working side by side and just to prove, yeah, we we have, we're not immoral, we're not, you know, loose cannons, we just, we want to do good too, we just don't have a belief in God. Um, So I'm looking into that. I'm trying to see what I can do around here to maybe uh, start something like that.
0: Mm. Well, I would imagine that this conversation is going to get a lot of attention in both camps, both communities. Yeah. And there will probably be people who will be watching this that have built secular groups, Sunday Assembly or Oasis, who might be interested in helping you establish something. We're kind of between uh, Dallas and San Antonio, kind of Central Mm Texas-ish. If that's something that you're seriously interested in doing, I'm sure we can get some momentum on that.
1: Yes. I need all the help I can get. Absolutely. Okay. Is there
0: anything that I missed that you feel like you want to address? Is there something that I could do better? You know, what are your thoughts on SE in general, perhaps might be a good topic? What questions might you have for myself?
1: Sure. Um, I think street epistemology is a great methodology to use. Um, I think it's useful for everybody, and I think uh, it should be out there. Um, I'm wondering how it can also be applied in non-secular circumstances as well because I think it can be useful for that. Um, How so? Well, I think people benefit from critical thinking. Um, It doesn't matter if you're a theist or a non-theist. And street epistemology is a great methodology to use that with. I'm a full believer in thinking for yourself um, and examining the evidence and seeing what makes sense. Um, And that isn't always necessarily under religious circumstances. It's beneficial. So, yeah, maybe... Discovering ways to provide that for people in non-religious circumstances as well would be something that would be interesting.
0: Okay. Actually teaching people who believe in God's how to use the method, is that how what you're saying? How to use
1: the method, yeah. Or, um,
0: I, I love that idea. Yeah. Actually, I'm a proponent of that. I yeah. think that would be beneficial. Mm-hmm. And Honestly, because I think ultimately they would use it on themselves and their God belief. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there, there are beliefs that people hold, whether you believe in a God or not, mm-hmm. that are worthy of questioning. Mm-hmm. Completely unrelated to the God question, yeah. I think, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's worthy of, of use for everyone. Mm. I think.
0: Uh, there is a private Facebook group mm-hmm. for street epistemology. Would you be interested in joining that? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to discuss or add? or I think we covered a lot of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could talk about this for a long time. Um, but I think the point of it is... I. I'm much more clear and much more honest with myself, and overall, I'm much more happy. Um, and I'd like to see that change in other people too. I think other people can really benefit from it. Um, I think once I really realized that I don't have to be a Christian to be a good person, um, that break for me was very significant. Um, and I think other people are stuck in that kind of moral prism as well. Um, so I'd like to help you.
0: Well, thank you so very much. I really am so grateful that you took the time for the follow. Well, for the initial meeting, yeah. and then for this follow up, yeah. and uh, I, I look forward to like being, you know, working together in some way. Yes. You know, I, I have some contacts now, and and I think I could probably help get the ball rolling on, on some of the objectives that you have here in town. So, yeah. um, great. Absolutely. Well, thank you once again. Yeah. right, uh, let's here. get a drink. Let's do it. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I, I'm so sorry I had you in the blazing sun. It's okay. I hope you don't get sunburn. Did we cover everything? I think we did.
1: Yeah, I mean there's definitely more personal stories about my life we could have got into. But
0: no, I think this was good enough and, and uh, there might even be some interest where people might want to like bring you on for an interview, like yeah, a podcast or something. Absolutely. Is that something you might be interested yeah, in doing? Yeah, for okay, sure. okay.
1: Even if there's theistic ones too. I think that's yeah. interesting.
0: Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh maybe we can even do like a joint interview on a theistic one or whatever. Yeah. Like I'm I'm completely fine staying in the loop or backing off as much as you, as much as you feel I should.
1: I want to get involved. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I think, like I said, the only thing i you know, I haven't talked to people in GREW about this. You know, they don't know. Um, and I'm wondering if that'll get them. I, I think...
0: Oh, I think invariably they're going to find out about it.
1: Yeah. Um, and so that'll be an interesting conversation. <laughs> but I don't
0: think you, you bash them in any, you want to move in the shape? Yeah. Let me get someone. I mean I don't think you bash them in any way.
1: No, yeah, I, I, I don't think so either. And I I don't want to bash Christians. Uh, I really don't. Neither do I. Yeah.
0: Like we were like we were chatting. I honestly just think that these are people that form beliefs on bad epistemologies. Yes. You know, un- unreliable epistemologies, unreliable. not bad. Bad is loaded. But unreliable and it's not their fault. And then the way that the human brain seems to work is that once you form those beliefs, it's very hard to critically examine them this is just a part of being a human yeah so I have learned to really give believers a lot more I'm much more patient with them
1: yeah and like I'm not necessarily I wouldn't even call myself a naturally logical person either I you know if you subscribe to the Myers-Briggs I'm like an ENFP you know and so uh, I think that's why I struggled a lot with that cognitive dissonance really I had to practice getting that logic down and mm. you know we don't always teach logic, especially around here, <coughs> to people. Um, and I was also indoctrinated. I mean that's just a fact. I don't mm. think if I was indoctrinated I would have been a Christian. <laughs> I think I would have been something else. I think if I knew that atheism was a real option for me, that it wasn't just a rebellion from God, that you know, mm. I would have gone there mm. or
0: because it was painted as as a horrible thing, a sin, yeah. penalties, yeah. rebellion. And you were less likely to question it.
1: Yeah, and I hate to say it, but, you know, that stereotype of the angry atheist exists for a reason. There's people who are angry. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't like that. I don't want to be associated with that. And there is a time frame.
0: Do you mind if I keep going yeah, on I the think, thing? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I think we're still going. Um, in fact, I remember in our first talk we mm-hmm. talked about angry atheists, yeah. just very briefly. I yeah. said something, and I'm actually lower than you now. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. actually standing on a platform. <laughs> this is our behind-the-scenes extra, extra material, bonus material mm-hmm. cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember we briefly talked about. Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, atheists can be pretty, pretty bad too. Yeah. Pretty uh, nasty." Yeah. And we can. Mm-hmm. We can. But I. Mm-hmm. That's one of the. That's one of the aspects of SE that appeals to me. Yes. Is that I think, it's helping the atheist movement at the very least they're seeing another way Mm -hmm. there's a you don't have to be caustic with believers you can you can just cat you can respectfully talk to them absolutely and make progress with them absolutely and i think this this encounter this video Mm -hmm. is a testament to that
1: yeah i agree and it's also important to remember that you know not every oh
0: just hold on since we're going again
1: sure um i think it's also important to remember um, that not every Christian is William Lane Craig or Ray Comfort or these people who have these set ideas and are against atheism. I think most people are confused. I think most people don't know what they believe necessarily, um, and I think the ones that do know what they believe may not know it for the right reasons. So you have to approach people on an individual basis. You cannot paint a broad picture of Christianity. There's just too many people with too many different ideas of what God is, and so. With street epistemology, the advantage comes with having that one-on-one conversation. With really discovering what people believe and not just, you know, saying you're wrong. It's saying, well, let's think about this. Mm. You know? So, mm. I, I enjoy that conversational element. I beg your pardon? I enjoy that conversational element to it. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, you have a background in that, I think you were saying? Like, are you studying? Did you study communications? Sure, or
1: uh, I'm finishing up my degree. Uh, in communication and technical communication.
0: Okay, and, um, do you think because you had a general interest in communication that the conversation had some appeal to you as well?
1: I think so, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, because I'm, I'm always interested in uh, how people perceive reality uh, and what their understanding of that is and how they get there. And the street epistemology oh, is exactly that. That's it. Right? Um, and so uh, I've seen other methodologies, um, but I don't think any of them are as clear as street epistemology in the sense that um, really it's just asking how, to put it simply, in my understanding. Um, it's just kind of a modified Socratic dialogue, um, which is fantastic. Um, I think it definitely needs to be done more so for Christians and for mm. atheists and for everybody.
0: Um, you know, that reminds me, um, when the, the year that I came to your campus, if I'm not mistaken, I, I got stopped by security quite a bit. Like they wanted to know why I was there and they kind of harassed me a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, to the point where I ended up signing up and auditing a class so I was a student to be on campus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe this is a loaded question because I I, I get the sense that you have a favorable opinion of SE but Mm -hmm. do you think that having people on university campuses doing what I was doing, do you think that that's beneficial? Do you think that that is something that should be encouraged by universities? What, what's your view on that?
1: That's an interesting question. Um, I can tell you that I had heard that you had done that, actually, um, from some other people in the organization. That you had signed up for a class, actually. I did. Um, and um, the way that they presented it Oh, to me, I know why. Um, yeah, the way they presented it to me was as a negative thing. They were saying, what is this guy, Doing on a college campus, harassing people about their beliefs, right? Um, do you feel
0: like I was harassing you?
1: I do not feel like you were harassing. Did me.
0: you feel like I was harassing you at that time? Absolutely not. No. Okay. I think, did um, your com- did your companion look at it that
1: way? I don't think um, I don't think that they necessarily did. I think that they just thought that there was something else to you, maybe that hmm. you were trying to hide. Um, I did
0: take the class because it legitimized my being on campus. Yeah. So in that respect, I suppose, yes. I mean, there was an ulterior motive to me taking the class. I took Christian Classics. Mm. That was a class I took. Nice. I'm I'm thinking now I know why you knew I was doing that because your friend was in my class. Yes, she told me. Yes, yes. (laughs) Okay. Um,
1: So, yeah, I mean, I can tell you that's uh, what I heard from other people. Um, I don't know if I have an opinion on that myself, honestly. i think there's multiple ways to go about things Um, i think that's a a good way to do it but also you can get people like me who are already in college to do that as well Um, ssa yeah
0: ssa or philosophy clubs um, we're trying to put together a lesson plan i mentioned that in the talk that i gave you probably saw but we want to teach people how to use this method so that people don't have to go to the campus and do it. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, it's not very efficient. Mm-hmm. It would be better, I think, if, mm-hmm. if just it was taught. Yeah. If this was taught and people just instinctively, mm-hmm. not instinctively, but they just knew how to do it mm-hmm. on every kind of belief claim. Mm-hmm. But until then, we kind of have to make these conversations happen to a certain extent by initiating yes, do. them, which is why I flagged you down,
1: yeah.
0: as opposed to just like it just happening organically. That would have been my preference. I would have just preferred to just run into you and then we started talking about it. I would have
1: too. But, you know, even when I was there on campus and I saw booths for, like, the secular alliance and things like that, I wasn't interested in talking to them because I already had a set of beliefs. So there really Mm. wasn't... There wouldn't have been any natural way to talk to people unless you would have asked me in the first place. So there Mm. is kind of a need to talk to people. And then there is kind of that fine line too because you don't want to be accused of proselytizing. Right. Which... um, sure comes up Mm -hmm. Uh, and so like how do we walk that how do we change people's minds it's it's really difficult yeah
0: Um, you know I gave a talk to the SSA mm -hmm. about this method and we started initiating talks and I showed a few people but one of the solutions that we came up with was sort of a kind of that that fine line between waiting for the talks to happen but also initiating it a little bit is they started writing they got a whiteboard and they would write down a question is faith a reliable way to come to know things, All mm-hmm. right, And they would put that out there, yeah. and then that would be facing the students as they walk yes. by yes. to hopefully get, at the very least, mm-hmm. somebody glances at it, they think about it for 10 minutes, and then that's mm-hmm. great, okay? But maybe even better, they stop to talk.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think having some sort of events like that um, could be helpful. I, I know that they've done things like, uh, I don't know if it was this group in particular, but I've heard of like, corn for corn, swamps, yeah. things like that. It uh, is the same
0: group, but it's a completely different leadership okay. today. And from my understanding, they condemned that. Mm. that they, they didn't really think that that was a good idea yeah. when they look back at that. Sure. I'll put a link in the video notes of, as far as what that is for anybody wondering. Yeah. Um, they do they do have an Ask an Atheist Day, mm. which is several days a month, mm. so that people can, can stop and ask, mm-hmm. you know, where do you get your morality from? for example, or how can, you, how can you live a good life without believing in Allah?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think if, if, the, you know, if the, the group like that had as much of a presence as all the other religious groups on campus do, uh, then there would definitely be way more conversations. But mm. my experience uh, there was always people street preaching or people having booths for something or other, yeah. and I don't remember seeing as many secular groups really don't.
0: Oh, no, there's just, just one or just, two, right, maybe. Right, because, yeah. And just, maybe three if you include uh, Buddhism.
1: Yeah, So.
0: Um, yeah, that's interesting. Is conversation the key?
1: I think so, yeah. Um, you know, there are a lot of Christians that tell you, and, and that's part of what I did as well, was going out and talking to people about their belief, something which I wasn't always comfortable with. In fact, most of the time I wasn't because of my doubts. Um, And I think if you just take an honest look at yourself and really explore what you believe outside of the context of the group that you're with, outside of the context of your upbringing, um, you'll find an answer there that says, you know, maybe what you currently believe is true may not be. Mm. Um, But that takes an honest introspection that I, I have to wonder if everyone is capable of, I'm not sure that everyone is, at least at certain points in their life, um, mm. because we're so tied to other people in so many social arrangements and obligations that mm. uh, I, I don't view Christians to be bad people. I, I never have. I can't say that. I, If anything, I have to say that they're victims of the society that they grew up in. I know I was. I know I was. Mm. I know I was virtually indoctrinated at a very young age. Um, and I have to think that if I wasn't, you know, if I wasn't brought up in that culture, I wouldn't be a Christian, i be mm. something else.
0: Do you think the, the largely predominant religious culture that we are in mm-hmm. is hampering people from honestly evaluating their beliefs?
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because when you have a million people telling you, don't listen to this guy, and then you have the one guy (laughs) telling you, Mm. you know. Looks looks like a crank. Looks like a crank. And, you know, we just, the secular movement really just doesn't have the presence to penetrate a culture like we have. Uh, But we're growing.
0: That's, yes, I think you're right. Like, it's so discouraging sometimes to see like how, like I do think we made a lot of progress, but there's so much more to go uh, but it, yes, we are growing. Mm-hmm. There are people that are joining and, and, and evaluating their beliefs and, and abandoning them. Yeah. Um, it, it does seem to be growing and I, I do think the stigma is going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to you know, encourage you to do something that you're not comfortable doing, but I do think that being out as an atheist, if you can do it, yeah. is really advantageous because it normalizes it and it gives a face to the label.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's important not to give up um, when it comes to having conversations. I know it can seem hopeless. Um, but, you know, all these religious beliefs started off in grassroots movements as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, they had a lot of intervention with government. But um, I don't think that we live in a time where that necessarily has to be the case. I think with as much access to information as we have right now, we could, we have more of an opportunity to change people's minds than ever before. Mm. Um, and that will only grow in time as more groups uh, come up and, and do something about it.
0: Okay. One last question. Yeah. After the Yesi encounter that we had to today, what other atheist or secular resource, uh, you mentioned a couple podcasts, like religious, po- like mm-hmm. tame religious podcasts yeah. that you saw. but. Were there any atheist-related materials or podcasts that appealed to you and helped you in your journey?
1: Oh man, I, I watched and listened to a whole bunch of things. I mean, I have a whole list of YouTube subscriptions that I follow and, and things like <laughs> that. Um, uh, I think when it comes to an approach to faith, I really like Dan Barker's work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because he grew up as a Christian, I can relate a lot to that not everyone grew up in the same way obviously and so he's not generally as polemic uh, which appeals to me um, but i had to read a lot of different books uh, to figure out things i had to i mean i read some of sam harris's work i read lawrence krauss a universe from nothing because i honestly didn't know how a universe could come from nothing and it may not um, but it seems to be that it could Um, And so there's just so many things, I wouldn't even know where to start to be honest.
0: Um, Okay. Was it more YouTube based than audio?
1: For me, maybe more YouTube based. I do listen to a lot of podcasts, but not necessarily a lot of religious ones. Um, Just some. Okay.
0: Okay. Interesting. All right, man. So I'm I'm so excited for you and this this journey that you've made. And it seems like there's an exciting future ahead for you And, and I'll try to help you out as much as I can yeah. to, to facilitate that, as me. much as you want, you yeah. know? You might wanna be prepared for some attention. I mean, I think there might be some people that would wanna to talk to you. Great, And uh, great. And, and find out exactly, maybe, maybe ask some more questions that I didn't ask, Sure. You know, that type of thing.
1: Yeah, I would love questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, people talking to me would be the best thing in the world. If someone can bring me back to Christianity, that would be amazing.
0: Mm. Are you open to it?
1: I have to be, if I want to be honest with myself, of course. Um, but I've seen a lot, uh, and um, I'm just not convinced anymore. So, but if you can convince me, by all means, contact me. We'll figure that out. Um, but yeah, we'll awesome. see how it goes.
0: Awesome, Daniel. Well, thank you so very much. You're a great man. Thank you for making the time, and I think it's very brave of you to do this, and uh, important for other people to see somebody who's made that transition, you know, and and I really am grateful that you took the time to meet with me.
1: Yeah, it can be done. If you're thinking about it, don't be afraid to question your deeply set beliefs on everything. Just be honest with yourself.
0: I can't begin to say how impressed I am with Daniel's maturity and honest introspection that he conducted on his beliefs. It takes a strong person to weather those criticisms that people left for him on the video from our initial meeting. I'm gonna to have to give some thought on how to best alert viewers to take into consideration that my conversation partner may one day be reading their YouTube comments, because I really do think those are valuable insights overall into how people are perceiving the discussion. I'll also need a better way of reminding people how to contact me. Daniel later said he didn't even remember me giving him a card so that he can contact me. That just crushes me. Because if you recall he said that had we talked more he would have become atheist much sooner and possibly may have even avoided a lot of the hardship that comes with deconversion if he had someone to be there for him. Someone once suggested creating a forum or a group for people who have run into someone using SE. I jokingly suggested calling it So I met a street epistemologist, but after this interview, it's more apparent than ever that we need a place for people to go to after they've had an SE-based talk. A place for those on the receiving end of a street epistemology talk, as well as for people who conduct them, to meet and discuss things further. I'm not sure if it will be adequately conveyed in this video, but Daniel later remarked about our initial talk, that conversation really changed my life. And for you, it was just Tuesday. Technically, I think October eighth, 2015 was a Thursday, but the point should not be lost. Street epistemology appears to be powerful stuff. We have to be diligent in how we go about using it and making sure we are there for people afterwards. One thing that sticks out to me was Daniel's admission that he was not 100% confident that his God existed during that first talk, even though he said that he was. Dillahunty's gonna love that one. But that's not a big deal to me. I still think the belief scale has value, and gives the interlocutor something to consider before, during, and after the discussion. As I reflect on Daniel, I really can't think how this situation could have been any better. He was a believer, he met someone using street epistemology and described it as incredibly helpful, he began to seek out other atheist-related materials, and he was motivated enough to reach out to me a year and a half later to give me an update, which gives me a high degree of confidence that our talk had left an impression. On top of all that, Daniel is willing to build a secular community for other people in his area if one is not available, and told me afterwards that he wants to learn street epistemology so that he can begin using it in his own personal talks, as well as going out in public to film talks. Having recently upgraded my equipment, I'm planning to give him the same camera I used to film our initial talk as a gift. I can't think of a better use for it. Keep asking questions and be open to new ideas, Daniel. You're an inspiration.